welcome to Our Changing State, the podcast. I'm Matthew Petty, host of Florida Matters on WUSF 89.7. For this podcast, we're taking a deep dive into topics that seem to be changing by the minute, from the environment and the economy to our politics and culture. For decades, people have been drawn to Florida by the warm weather, the beaches, theme parks, and lack of state income tax. But in the past few years, Florida's booming population has shifted those changes into overdrive. Our reporting for this podcast included an online survey where we asked people like you to share your take on this state we call home. That's right, you and your neighbours drive the conversation we're having with residents and topic experts. Thanks for being here. We hope that we all learn a little more about our changing state in the process. We turn to the economy, and we'll put your questions to our expert panel. Questions about wages, the cost of housing, income disparity, and the kinds of jobs Floridians have. And the impact of the recent surge of new arrivals to Florida since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. First though, let's meet John Horn, who owns five restaurants in the Bradenton area that include several Anna Maria Oyster Bar locations. He also serves on the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association board as vice chair and restaurant director. WUSF's Craig Cobb caught up with Horn at the Bradenton Oyster Bar on Cortez Road recently, just as the restaurant staff was preparing to open. Before they sat down to talk about the changing economics of the state of Florida, they took a quick tour of the place. Pedro! So how did you get started in the business? I, crazily enough, I started as a busboy, as a summer job, and loved it from day one. Absolutely loved it. When's the last time uh, you uh, bust a table? Two years ago, I celebrated my 40th year in the industry and said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to bust tables. And what I learned is the plates are a lot heavier now than when I, <laughs> when I was 20 years old. Hey, John. How are you? So what's your favorite thing on the menu here? Grouper. I'm just a sucker for blackened grouper. I could eat it probably twice a day, seven days a week. Are you a native Floridian? I am. I was born and raised here. I am a fifth generation Floridian. So the Florida you grew up in and the Florida you're doing business in now, what's the most fundamental change that, that you see or feel? You know, one of our restaurants is celebrating its 50th year. So it opened in 1973, Cafe La Rope, down on St. Norman Circle. We, we've seen the menus from 1973, from 1977, when, when shrimp cocktail was, you know, 95 cents. And, you know, the most expensive thing was two ninety-five. Obviously, the prices have changed drastically in 50 years, but they've changed drastically in the last five years as well. I look at the housing prices, and then I look at people who work for you, let's say, how are, are they going to be able to afford to have a middle-class lifestyle in a state where things are gotten so expensive so quickly? Well, it, again, it's funny. We were driving down Longboat Key to one of the restaurants this weekend, and I was pointing out to my wife, see those apartments right there. That's where all the staff for all the restaurants used to live. They can't afford to live on Longboat Key, Anna Maria Island anymore. And for the most part, they can't afford to live a lot of places in Manatee, Sarasota County. So it's something we're all working on, and we better work on it quickly because it is a huge problem. Where does the middle class, where does the working class live? People are struggling. 
But the money's there. The money's out there for people that will work. So it is the attitude of, will I go out and will I work? You know, it, we've got a lot of different jobs in Florida, and there's a lot of empty jobs in Florida. Somebody's got to take a job. Um, and I think people don't realize how much some of these jobs are paying. So you have the impression that, you know, a server in a restaurant is a lowly paid, you know, sub-minimum wage employee. And we have servers that are making $80,000. So it's just a matter of realizing it, things aren't like they used to be. Now we're dealing with an inflation rate that is way higher than the rest of the country, even at this point. How is that affecting you as a, as a restaurateur? Food inflation, the first part of this year was up 14%. You know, you can't raise your menu 14%. And you should raise it even more than that because your food cost is 30% of your menu. So at that rate, I should raise my menu probably 50%. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't just keep raising prices. So we've got to find ways to be smarter, to work smarter. We, we learned we don't need as many people in an office during the pandemic. We're finding we don't need as many people working in the restaurant as we once thought. But that doesn't help with the employment if you're cutting back on your, you know, your staff size. Is Florida ready for what's going on? Absolutely not. I mean, we've got to be able to provide transportation, infrastructure, water, water, water. Water. I don't know if I mentioned water yet. What about water, John? <laughs> it's so crucial that we are making sure that we can provide everything we need for these thousand people a day moving to Florida. Yeah, you can keep building houses, but you have to have people that can support those houses. You have to have people that can, you know, we have to have more restaurants if there's a thousand more people a day. People go out to eat, thank goodness. So we've got to support those. We've got to have doctors. We've got to have nurses to take care of the people that are moving here. We have to think. So if you had um, a full session of the state legislature in front of you and the governor's there, you would ask them to do what? They need to be thinking about 2040, 2045, 2050, not tomorrow. We've got to look further ahead. We've got to make Florida so that it's affordable for everyone. If you'd like to hear an extended version of each episode of Our Changing State, or if you'd like to listen to archived episodes of our weekly show, Florida Matters, visit our website, wusfnews.org. Well, joining us now is Michael Snipes. He's an instructor in economics at the University of South Florida. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Also joined by Stephen Meyer, CEO at CareerSource Pinellas. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about Florida's minimum wage for a moment. It's currently $11 an hour. It's set to rise to $15 an hour by 2026. Michael, could you just give us a sense of what pay rates are like in Florida right now? Yeah, well, Florida tends to be kind of maybe middle of the pack when it comes to just kind of average minimum wage payments that that they're going to make. Certainly, there's going to be states acting independently and they can set higher minimum wage rates. And we've seen a couple of states already doing that. But, you know, Florida is going a slightly different direction in, in doing these kind of $1 every year pay increases. And so when we look at those differences, I think that, um, you know, Florida, Florida is looking fairly well compared to the rest of the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Stephen, what are you seeing from businesses? Which businesses are thriving? Who's hiring right now? Well, what we're seeing is 
really everybody's hiring. In Florida, for every 100 job openings, there are 64 job seekers looking. So one of the things that we are seeing as a challenge is employers, organizations like ours, having job fairs. We're just not seeing the job seekers at these events. Is there an oversaturation of job fairs? It's possible, but everything that we've heard the businesses are just having trouble finding the employees. You know, they're looking for an employee with exactly what they're looking for. They need to be more flexible nowadays and looking for transferable skills. I want to just read some observations for you that we got from our listeners on wages and jobs in Florida. Here's Joanne Glazuski in Venice who says, we rely on tourism. Our residents provide support, i.e. low-paying roles dependent on others. And also had this observation. Our education system is embarrassing. Teacher pay among the lowest in the country. And Bill Stokes had this to say. Bill Stokes from St. Petersburg said, low-paying jobs will keep Florida at the bottom while income disparity will get worse and create more disparity and dissension. And another comment from Carolyn Owens of Venice, minimum wage too low. So a sense of what some people are, are saying out there Michael, are salaries keeping pace with inflation and other factors tied to the cost of living here in Florida, like housing costs? No, uh, <laughs> but that's that's really not unique to to Florida. That's really a problem that's been a problem for the, the entire country since at least the, the early 1980s. So when, when we talk about you know increasing minimum wage by a dollar, and we can look and say, well, if we went from you know. $10 an hour to $11 an hour, well, that was a 10% pay increase, but that's really only a dollar per hour. And, and what we really need to keep an eye on is that when we see these minimum wages going up, we kind of automatically think, oh, well, this has to be a good thing. But what we need to keep an eye on is not just incomes, but it's also prices. So if prices are, are increasing more quickly than, than wages are, well, then on net, you're worse than you were the year before. So if prices are outpacing income growth, which is what we're seeing now in Florida and really generally more broadly across the entire United States, that really hasn't really changed or it's actually decreased over, over the past several years. You know, what we call real income, right, or things, things of that nature. And that's really what we want to keep our eye on because that's what we as consumers like to do. We like to consume things. So that's the number that we really need to keep an eye on more than wages. Steve, I wonder what you're hearing from job seekers. Does that kind of reflect what people who are looking for jobs are saying, that they, they just need more pay or they want more pay? Well, here in along the Gulf Coast in Pinellas County, one of the things that we're seeing is some of the job postings, some of the jobs are still being posted for less than $15 an, an hour in healthcare, manufacturing, customer service, and hospitality. And these jobs are really competing against the big box retailers and some fast food restaurants that have increased their starting wages to $17 to $21 an hour. So the struggle we have is, you know, maybe somebody would take a $15 an hour job in healthcare that is building a pathway to a career that in two to three years, they might be making $25, $30 an hour, but they're thinking short term and taking that $19 an hour job. But there's really not much upward mobility for that. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we're seeing, you know, we talk about the minimum wage. What we like to talk about is a living wage, because here in, you know, along the Sun Coast, the Alice report, which is the asset limited income constrained employed for a family of four, they need to make $88,000 to live comfortably along the 
the Gulf Coast here. Steve was also talking about jobs in the healthcare sector and, and other fields. Are those jobs, are you seeing more of a market for those kind of jobs in Florida? Definitely, definitely. And that's uh, we, where I am at USF. You know, that's That's been a big focus for our campus for, for several years now is expanding our nursing program. And this is something that, you know, you see a lot more advertising than you previously did on television. I'm sure at job fairs, that's one of the primary things that are there as well. So yeah, healthcare is definitely part of this expansion that we're seeing, right? Kind of this this new influx of, of workers. Are, are, a lot of them are going to be going into healthcare. Steve, you talked about some companies being able to offer, you know, like $17 an hour wage, which is high when you compare it to Florida's minimum wage right now. Like who are you hearing from that are having to boost wages to hire more staff or just to fill positions? It's difficult to really tell the employers that you're really competing against the Walmarts, the Targets, the McDonald's, the Raising Canes who come into the market who are paying those wages. You know, they're still paying entry-level positions at $12, $13, $14 an hour. So it's an education to these employers. You know, also Florida has a pretty good manufacturing base and believe it or not, Pinellas, which is the second smallest county in the state has the second or third largest manufacturing base. So we're dependent in addition to tourism on manufacturing. And one of the things that we're seeing is, you know, not many people are growing up and saying, hey, I want to I go into manufacturing. You know, they want to go into high tech. They want to go into education. They want to go into healthcare. You know, so the manufacturing sector is, is struggling to find employees as well. A lot of our guests had questions and concerns about wealth disparity. Here's a comment from Emily Lane in Bradenton, who writes, The rich got tremendously wealthier and are paying even less to support the infrastructure that made them wealthy, while the middle class is groaning under increasing taxation, lower and lower incomes, and problems such as inflation and post-COVID problems. I had to take out every penny of my retirement to survive through COVID and still had to declare bankruptcy despite working every gig job I could find. Michael, I wonder about that. How much can you tell us about the wealth gap in Florida? Yeah, by and large, yeah, Florida tracks pretty close with, with the rest of the country. So, I mean, that is one of the things that we're seeing an increase in in the United States. And so, yeah, we are seeing an increase in that in Florida as well. Here's another couple of comments. Matthew Susson in Tampa says, Wages are incredibly way too low for the year-over-year increase in rent. It's almost impossible to be able to go to school and try to afford rent at the same time especially when landlords continue to increase the rent mercilessly year over year. Why am I paying just over $900 for an apartment with three other roommates to a company that isn't even based in Florida? And then here's a comment from William Gravely, a teacher and business owner who lives in St. Petersburg. Like I had a conversation with my nephew and and one of his friends the other day. They said, yeah, we're making more money, but it costs so much more to live. We're still just breaking even. As a teacher, I need a second job. And if I had to rent the house that I live in, I'd be paying almost $3,000 a month. No way I could afford to buy it right now. Um, so, so things are changing and not all, all together for the better because as much as we have, I think they estimate over 1,000 people moving to Florida every day, there are also people who are now deciding, I can no longer afford to live in, in Florida. Steve, I wonder about that. Do you get the sense that the high cost of housing may be changing the kinds of jobs that people are going out for? thinking about some of those wages and, and those where people might be looking at for a starting salary or starting wage, is it dissuading people from certain jobs? That's difficult to, to quantify. 
But some of the things that we've seen is, you know, a, a hospital down in southern Pinellas County recruits out of Manatee County for entry-level jobs because the president of that hospital realizes he's not going to be able to find people in Pinellas County who can afford to live here without a rapid transit system or a transit system in the Bay Area. It makes it tough. And a lot of the people who are underemployed or unemployed are in pockets of St. Petersburg and Tampa that need that transportation to get to the jobs. You know, they're underserved right now. And, you know, there there's untapped potential with these individuals, but they have the these barriers that we have to overcome to get them back into the workforce. Michael, a lot of the comments that we've gotten from our listeners in the community have revolved around how newer residents come into the state of Florida and they're getting they're bringing with them higher paying remote work. How do you see that playing into the overall wealth, the overall economy of the state? Well, if we want to talk overall wealth and overall income measured by kind of a state's GDP, uh, that number is going to go up. And I would agree that they're taking these better paying out of state, you know, remote jobs. And that, that's really the kind of one of the defining characteristics of the people that of most of the people that we see coming into the state is that they are bringing in this high, these higher incomes, these higher paying jobs, these higher wages, or maybe just retirees that already have their nest egg and are bringing that wealth in. And so, yeah, a lot of that growth is coming in, and having this effect on, on inflation, but it's not just the people, it's the type of people who are coming here. They tend to be wealthier and that puts even more of a pressure on prices. And then that's going to be something that affects people who are working at a lower minimum wage or on a fixed income. Presumably, they're going to have more money in their pocket to spend in the local economy, though, right? Well, yes, but it, it mean they're going to be spending more at a higher price. So again, it's it's just kind of how much, if we want to think of it as economic activity, is just kind of the number of transactions that take place. Well, yeah, if I've got a higher income, normally I would spend more, but if prices for housing or rent are higher, you know, the prices at restaurants might be a little higher. Well, then that's going to be sometimes enough to kind of offset bringing in this income. And part of the reason, a good part of the reason why we have an inflation rate that's still higher than the rest of the country is that some of these these growth effects are kind of outpacing pricing effects. And so that's why we're seeing kind of an, a, an average price or an average inflation rate, why we tend to be a little bit higher than the rest of the country. Kind of that wealth effect is, is a little bit bigger than the, the price effect, at least for right now. Well, I want to thank you both very much for your time. Michael Snipes, Instructor in Economics at the University of South Florida, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Also been speaking with Stephen Meyer, CEO at CareerSource Pinellas. Steve, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Our Changing State. Find more details about this series from WUSF Public Media, including photos of the people we're meeting across the Tampa Bay region on our website, wusfnews.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also stream our weekly show, Florida Matters, every Tuesday at wusfnews.org. Our producer is Denora Prevost. The reporter for this episode is Craig Kopp. Our podcast producer is Scott Wachtler. We also received support for this week's episode from engineer Jackson Harp, digital editor Carl Lishandrello, and news director Mary Shedden. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 